Welcome to TribCast, the flagship podcast of the Lacrosse Tribune. We're joined today by Taggart Brooks. He's a professor and chairman of the Department of Economics at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. You know, it's obviously not a something that's happening since the first of the year, but we've had plenty of news with store closings in the last few weeks in, in lacrosse going back as far as a couple of years. Um, as we were putting this show together, I was looking at some of the names. Um, you know, not too long ago, lacrosse had a Kmart. That's no more. We had a Herbergers, Macy's, Sears. Those are all gone. And we're losing at least one shop co, and the company's sort of teetering on the brink of uh, solvency. You know, it's in, and a lot of people blame online shopping for this. What are your thoughts? That is one of the things that's going on is a change in people's buying behaviors. So part of it's them moving some of their purchases online. Some of it's a change away from sort of uh, traditional stores. So not necessarily, you know, I mean, you see a, a Target, for example, doing well. Walmarts are doing well. So... Some stores like that are really doing well because of the value proposition they might provide in their marketing, et cetera. So some of it is industry players losing out to other industry players. Some of it is the whole industry losing out to sort of e-commerce. Um, some of what you, you know, mentioned, Macy's is gone. Well, Macy's is still around. It's just left this particular market. In some cases, in the case of Kmart, it's pretty much shuttered everywhere. And um, you know, you have Sears, which is also sort of uh, on, the, on the way out, Shopco. So some of these companies are sort of seeing all of their business contracts. Some of them are contracting the number of storefronts they have regionally, and we, you know, are experiencing that. And it's interesting because we were, I was doing some prep for the show, and I turned to a coworker and I said, you know, what percentage of shopping is done online? And she thought for a second, and she said, oh, I don't know, maybe 60%. And the latest numbers is about 11. And, but 11% of, of a consumer spending is a lot of money. It is. It is, right? So, um, you know, uh, consumer spending in general in the United States, let's say $15, $16 trillion economy, and we're talking over 70% uh, of it. You, know, you can see that it's uh, trillions of dollars that are spent. So even 10% or 11% is a large uh, number of, amount of spending that's occurring. But you did mention, you know, that there are certain stores. You mentioned Target. I think Kohl's generally as a company has been doing pretty well. Walmart, although maybe not as strong as they were a decade ago, are certainly, you know, still by far the largest retailer in America. Um, so there are people and places where folks can still go. But there's also some businesses that are thriving right now. I read a story recently about dollar stores. Mm -hmm. And we certainly have some in the lacrosse area. But there are, it's amazing how many Hundreds and hundreds of storefronts of dollar stores have been opened across this country. Why do you think that is? That's a good question. I think, I think again, it's a it's a combination of the types of products that they're offering. Obviously, very low priced items that maybe people are looking to buy on sort of an impulse basis, or you know, it's a the variety store uh, reclaimed. So there's lots of reasons. I think people go in there to buy quick gifts for. You know, um, just tri trivial situations. Maybe if you have a holiday party, you can mm -hmm. buy ten gifts like that that you have fun with. And that's a you know a different sort of shopping than maybe going to a Walmart even or a Target or even online. You might not necessarily look for those same sorts of things online. It's filling a niche, I think. And certainly, you know, when you talk about consumer spending, we've spent most of our time so far talking about stores like Kohl's and Target and Macy's. But certainly, grocery plays a huge portion of consumer spending. 
Um, that's an area that, you know, although uh, most folks know that Amazon has uh, dipped its toe in the water and purchased Whole Foods, but there is still a very small percentage of uh, grocery purchases that are done online. Right. But in some cities, that's starting to change. Right. And I think that's been around for the convenience of it. And I think this is where sometimes technology outruns people's behavior and it takes time for people to get used to that uh, idea. I remember, you know, there were uh, early examples of this sort of you order groceries and we'll deliver to you uh, a model. But, you know, the, the typical shopper doesn't doesn't necessarily shop like that at the moment. They walk down the aisles and they go, oh, I need this. I need this. I need that. Maybe they have a list that they want to pick from. But it's a different thing to sort of, uh, you know, order it from an online uh, service and have all pick all these things that way. It's still time intensive. So, you know, technology might solve some of those problems, but for some people... The experience of walking through the grocery store is still an important one. Yeah, I think there's some people, I mean, I probably am one of them who, not every day, but, you know, once every week or two, kind of like seeing what new products I might stumble across or what, what deal you can get or, you know, a coupon from the newspaper. You know, all sorts of kind of an ex explore thing, which is, you can still do that online, but it's a different experience in person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and frankly, when they have, uh, when they have samples at the, at the store, that's yeah, even absolutely. all the better. Some of the stores we talked about at the beginning, Sears, Macy's, Herbergers, those are, were three longtime anchors at Valley View Mall. Um, and in fact, when the mall opened in 1980, those were the three there, except of course Macy's was Dayton's at that yeah. time and there was an ownership change. So in really a pretty quick order, the, those three left Valley View Mall with three big empty holes. Last time I was there pretty recently, uh, right before Christmas, it seemed to me like most of the smaller stores in between were filled in. Do you have a sense that Valley View Mall is going to have a, have much luck filling those large vacant spaces where Sears, Herbergers, and Macy's once called home? I highly doubt that they'll fill those anchors with other traditional sort of retailers. Um, I would imagine, like most malls in America, certainly malls of their class, they have to look to reinvent themselves. Uh, and they're doing lots of different things. Some of the malls that are being shuttered are turning into sort of affordable housing, or maybe they're becoming um, uh, medical centers or warehouses for uh, some online uh, retailer. Um, but the ones that are reinventing themselves turn out to be places that are really focusing in on the community aspect of uh, shopping. So, and, and as the mayor was in here, you know, talking about that very issue last week, you know, and he's quick to remind folks that they're a, a huge property taxpayer in the city of La Crosse, mm -hmm. that he also... Uh, See, see some of those same trends but he also reminds people that you know it is it does have a valley view i mean there is a river the lacrosse river right there and there may be some ways to maybe have some recreational opportunities too yeah i think that's what you find working well in terms of this mall transformation is combining recreational opportunities with entertainment uh such as uh, and 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 food and you see some of these places where you have outdoor eating establishments, you have some recreation you can engage in, and yeah, you have some niche uh, shopping that can happen that sort of fits well with that particular model, but a little bit of a reinventing of the indoor mall. And, and I think, you know, obviously there's endless speculation around town what, what may happen there, but I, I know there are a few people who would like to see a new, another movie theater move back out into the you know, on Alaska Lacrosse corridor, and and that's another business that is the same as it was, but clearly uh, it, it's probably unusual for a metro of 125,000 like we are to have one movie theater, and it'll be interesting. And then of course the Rivoli, kind of as a second run, interesting to see if that's part of the mix too. 
Mm -hmm. um, looking at the different types of businesses, there was a report Axios did well, a week or two ago looking at the number of storefronts that have uh, gone up or down in America since 1990, so a, a nearly 30-year look. And, and some of these didn't surprise. I mean, there are a number of shoe retailers fell by 35%. Again, sort of the mom and pa shoe stores aren't there quite what they used to be. Furniture stores down, again, about one-third. Supermarkets, not nearly down as much. They are down about 6% uh, fewer storefronts than there were before. But then it, the interesting part to me were what showed growth. And, and there's certainly uh, some, uh, familiar, or some similarities here. Gyms up 46%. And the biggest nail salons, which if I think about it, when I was growing up as a kid, I don't remember seeing a nail salon. That business since 1990 has grown 247%. Mm -hmm. And that, along with things like restaurants and cosmetics, those are things that, at least currently, are almost impossible to get online. And there may be some, is, is that some of the reason places like that are, are still seeing growth? Absolutely. I think over the past 10 years, one of Lacrosse's greatest success stories is its downtown. Um, there are folks who remember the 1960s and 70s, where before Valley View Mall opened, Downtown Lacrosse was the retail center of the region, and, and, and that's changed, and I think most everyone agrees that's not going to come back. That said, there are more people working downtown in the city of Lacrosse's history and more people living downtown in the city's history. Are those two things supporting uh, some uh, resurgence in retail downtown? I, I think obviously. I think it, you know, at the end of the day, businesses need uh, traffic uh, to support them. And I think the, with this sort of move towards people being interested in living in a downtown environment and experiencing the amenities that go along with it, the nice restaurants, um, the boutique shopping, the, you know, the uh, food grocery stores like the co-op that sort of cater to uh, people of those uh, income and interests. I think you're going to you know, continue to see the, the, the vibrancy of downtown continue to sort of rise. And it'll be interesting, too, because there might be some people who look at some of these large national brands cratering right now is is in if in if you were if somebody wants to start up a small shop with a niche audience you know they might look at it as a, a tough time in retail but also there it may be an opportunity too because there still is a need for people to walk into a store and buy a product they want to touch and feel yeah i mean i think Let's not forget that sort of retail spending in general is rising and has been ro uh, robustly rising. So really what we're talking about is a change in people's preferences. Uh, some of that change is moving towards being able to order things online. But again, people still want to buy more stuff than they ever have. So it's about meeting those needs. You know, there is the place for uh, um, uh, businesses to be able to deliver both storefront and online. Uh, so any type of company that can come up with sort of uh, mixed channels uh, are certainly going to insulate themselves from some of that move online. And it's so. interesting too, Amazon, of course, the huge player in e-commerce, is starting to dip its toe into uh, storefronts. They've, I was actually in uh, New York City this past summer and I was in an Amazon bookstore and they have a handful of those around the country and it sounds like they're planning to do more. So, you know, they're not purely a, an e-commerce player. Right. Right. I mean, you can imagine that now e-commerce is roughly going to be about 11% of total retail spending. It's never going to be 100%, right? So there's always going to be space for uh, physical storefronts to offer different things. And 
for some establishments, uh, occupying both of those spaces uh, is important. And do you think, you know, we're at 11% now, where do, you, what, where do you think that number might be if you were to speculate 10 years from now? Gosh, I couldn't guess. It's been, it's been growing at a rate of about one percentage point uh, per year. I would imagine that pace would continue for a little while, but then sort of start to slow. I think largely it's going to be driven in the future by uh, potential technology improvements. Um, Current platforms are great. Delivery is still pretty quick. A bulb burnt out in my, my microwave, and on Friday I, I looked at it, and I, I looked it up online on which one I needed, and I thought, ah, I could, when am I going to get to the store to get this? And I said, well, I'll just see when Amazon can get it to me. Sunday. Hmm. So we had Sunday delivery, and, I, and the, the, the postal service guy drove up on a Sunday, which to me is foreign to begin with. And he handed it to me, and I thought this was wonderful, and I thought the only thing that would make this more wonderful if a drone would have dropped it down on Friday, <laughs> right? And so I think that you know there there are going to be those type of situation as the logistics uh, um, speed up, if they will. It's going to make some things even more viable via this sort of e-commerce model, but some things will never be, you know, viable via that model, and and those things are you know getting your nails done, for example, um, uh, is going to be always something that happens through sort of a storefront. Well, I'd like to thank you for stopping in and talking a little bit about the changing face of retail. Again, T.J. Brooks is a professor and chairman of the Department of Economics at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. Thank you. Thank you. We're joined now by Elizabeth Beyer of the La Crosse Tribune, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about a new terrific series she's putting together uh, called A Closer Look, where you're taking on some video equipment out and exploring some new places in La Crosse. You were in the bodega. Yeah, I was at the bodega. Um, I heard a fun little urban legend that it was haunted or has been haunted for many, many years um, based on, I think, a possible suicide in one of the apartments above the bodega. Many years ago. Many years ago. Yes, many years ago. And um, I sat down with John Lochner, who is the general manager of the Bodega Brew Pub, and he gave me the skinny on some ghostly activities. And what's, what I think people will find interesting, not only about what he talks about, because, you know, most people have been in the bodega. Everyone's driven by the bodega. But you saw parts of the bodega most people haven't seen. Yeah, I went into the basement, and the basement was creepy, although I didn't see any ghosts. Kind of a bummer. And it sounds like the general manager, John, was sort of agnostic a little bit about whether there's a supernaturalness at the bodega. He's what I refer to as a non-believer. Gotcha. In, in ghosts. But I think we, we were talking just yesterday, this one up on our, our webpage and our Facebook page uh, Wednesday afternoon. There was some chatter from people uh, who are, let's just say, not agnostic. They think there are some supernatural uh, uh, actions going on at the bodega and, and shared some of their stories. So this week, uh, to give folks a preview to what's coming up, you were in the bowels of lacrosse. I was deep in the bowels of lacrosse at the wastewater treatment plant to find out what happens after you flush. Well, how is it, you know, I, I'm guessing this is a, a place you've never been. How was it different than what you thought? Well, it was just as smelly as I expected. Uh, maybe a little bit less so, surprisingly. Hmm. And for folks who don't know, and maybe a lot of people do, but this facility is pushed up along the river, kind of south of downtown, not too far from, I'm sure they don't want to be associated with it, but too far from Gunderson Health Center. Yeah, and it's also right next to the dog park where I spent a lot of time. And so the smell could be from the this wastewater treatment plant or could be from the dog park. We just don't know. I'm hurt by that statement, Scott. I'm just 
very hurt. Folks can be sure to tune into that uh, video probably sometime early next week, and we'll be sure to include a link at the bottom of this podcast to the bodega and all the scary or not scary stuff that's going on there. Thanks for that series, and we'll continue to keep everybody updated on the show as new episodes roll out. Thanks again for tuning into TribCast. Uh, For Elizabeth Byer, and also thanks to Taggart Brooks, this is Scott Rada. Thanks for listening.